Reasonable Faith, Lesson 3, The End of Sin, presented by Pastor James McIntyre. Pastor McIntyre here again, and we're just glad that you've come to this third video and that we are being given an opportunity to have you come and reason together with us concerning our faith. And uh, we have been now, and this will be the third video in which we are reasoning concerning sin. In the first video, we spent some time uh, discussing the nature of sin. In the second video, we spent some time uh, discussing the presence of sin. In this third video, we want to spend a few minutes talking about the end of sin. And uh, this, is, this is an important issue. This is an important topic. I know that it's uh, something that a lot of people don't want to think much about, and even many in the religious world are afraid of uh, raising this issue for fear that it'll drive people off or people will not be receptive to it. But uh, that should not be the criteria upon which we share truth with people. And the Bible does have some very sobering things to say about the end of sin and where a life of sin ultimately leaves a person. And so we, we want to be faithful to you and uh, give you uh, some things to think about as far as what the Bible says is the end of sin. The first thing that we bring to your attention is the fact that sin bars from heaven. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, the Bible says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So the Bible tells us that those who are guilty of this kind, these kinds of behavior, the Bible says they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And of course, uh, to find some of these terms, fornication is simply sex outside of a marriage covenant. An idolater is one who fails to put God first. Adultery is unfaithfulness to the marriage covenant. Abusers of themselves with mankind has reference to the homosexual lifestyle. Uh, extortion is uh, getting money by force or threat. Revilers is someone who's abusive with their language that rails on others. And all of these behaviors are connected. Condemned. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, all of these things and even some other things are mentioned there, reveling, the idea of partying. These things are, are mentioned as being the works of the flesh. And in fact, here in, in 1 Corinthians, the Bible says that those that are uh, living these this kind of life, those that are guilty of these things, that they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And in fact, men are deceived about this. The reality is that men, men know they're sinners. Men know that they haven't always obeyed God, but there's just a 
inclination and a tendency in the mind of man to think, I know I'm not perfect. I know I've not done everything right. I know I've made serious mistakes, but I hope and I pray and think that when it's all said and done, everything's going to be okay between me and God. And I think it's important to recognize that this is very, very likely a false hope. Now, I think that's why the Bible says here in 1 Corinthians, be not deceived. In fact, he says there at the very beginning of verse 9, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Then he says, be not deceived. So there is a great inclination and a great tendency to be deceived about these things. And that's why we want to share it with you. We want to make sure that you're not deceived. We want to make sure that you're thinking soberly and biblically about sin and about your relationship to sin and about your relationship to God. And the reality is, is that sin, sin bars from heaven. The other thing is, is that sin condemns to hell. There's heaven and there's hell. If sin bars us from heaven, then ultimately it condemns us to hell. And you'll remember from our second video that we're condemned already. A person that has not trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and repented of their sin and had their lives changed by the by the Spirit of the living God, there's not anything they've got to do to be condemned to hell other than draw their last breath. They're condemned already. And the Bible is abundantly clear about this. Again, so many places places we could go, but I want to draw your attention to the most striking passage related to this, at least in my estimation, and that's in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. The Bible says, and I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, what has been revealed to us in this passage is of very serious consequence. It describes for us something that our own conscience cries out for, and that's justice. And God one day will stand as judge before men. The Bible says in Hebrews that it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. And this is that judgment. The Bible says that it's a great white throne. We call it the great white throne judgment. The Bible says that the dead, small and great, so it doesn't matter what your station in life was, it doesn't matter what your ethnic background was, it doesn't matter what your social standing was, it doesn't matter what your economic status was, all men, small and great, the famous and the infamous, the known and the unknown, is going to stand before God one day. You're going to stand before God one day. And when you stand before God, the Bible tells us the books are going to be opened. That tells us that God's keeping a record. He knows. He knows everything we've done. He's kept a record of everything we've done. He's kept a record of everything we've thought. He's kept a record of our attitudes and our spirit. He knows everything. And those books are going to be opened. The evidence is going to be there. 
You remember we uh, looked in Romans chapter 3, I believe it was in lesson 1, said the law was given that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. And in that day of judgment at the great white throne, men will be left speechless as they see the books open and all the evidence that's been logged against them as violators of God's law. Bible says every man's going to be judged according to his works. And really, who among us wants to be judged according to our works? I know I don't. I've, I've done way too many things that are not right and not pleasing to God and things that, I, that, I, that I've done that I shouldn't have done and things that I, that I should have done that I didn't do. I don't want to be judged according to my works, but the people that stand before the great white throne, they're going to be judged according to their works. The books are going to be opened. And if you're standing before this judgment, the books are going to be opened. And you're going to be judged according to your works. And the Bible says that when they're judged, that death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. That these people that are standing before this judgment, that when sentences pass, that they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. And it's a fearful thing. But again, our own conscience cries out for this. Our own conscience cries out for justice. More often than not, it's in respect to others who have violated some law or transgressed some law. But the fact that we do that so readily when it comes to others is a clear indication and in many respects is a condemnation of ourselves because we're acknowledging that transgression and that disobedience requires consequence. And if that's true in an earthly realm, how much more in a spiritual realm where the great lawgiver has had his law violated by his creation. And so we can fully anticipate and expect that that would be the case. And uh, in fact, the Bible is very clear about uh, how important this is. In Mark chapter 9, we find Jesus describing the place of eternal condemnation as a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And again, I know this is not a very popular thing. Uh, the love of God has been emphasized, and it rightfully should be. And we're going to be doing that before this, this uh, lesson, uh, before this series of lessons is over. But it's been... It's been highlighted and emphasized to the exclusion of other equally true realities, and that is the fact that God is holy, and God will judge sin, and one day men will stand before that God and give an account and be judged according to their works. And it's important to recognize that. And of course, the the tragedy of it really is that it's forever, that it's for all of eternity, that it never ends, that once sentence has been passed upon the transgressors of God's law, there's nothing that can happen that can change that, that it will forever be their state and their condition. In fact, Jesus himself told us a story of a man that experienced this very thing. In Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 24, the Bible says there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. But the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, 
and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, and cried, and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Let me just say that the request was obviously denied. But more to the point of the verses that we read here is this rich man who lived at odds with God, even though he was a powerful man and he was a wealthy man and he was a man of means and no doubt a man of influence. But when he died, the Bible says in hell he lifted up his eyes. The Bible describes him as being in torments, plural, not just in torment, but torments, the multitude of torments that exist in an abode that was created for the devil and his angels. The human mind cannot even imagine. And his agony and his suffering was of such a great extent that he cried out that, that mercy would be had upon him. But it was past the time of mercy. He desired that Lazarus, the beggar who was there at his gate during life, might dip just the tip of his finger in water to cool his tongue. He says, for I am tormented in this flame. So we dare not deny the reality. We dare not die the truthfulness of eternal damnation. And, you know, it's reasonable. It's a reasonable thing. It may not be a comfortable thing. And it may not be a thing that we want to admit and that we want to accept. But it's certainly a reasonable thing to believe and to understand that God created man, and man was given laws, and God laid down law for man to follow, and man violated those laws. And it's reasonable to conclude that a God who is infinitely holy, without the slightest blemish of sin, the God who is light and in whom is no darkness at all, that if we live in violation of his commandments, that there will be a day of judgment, and we should not be surprised that the eternal God would see to it that the nature of that judgment and the duration of that judgment would be eternal as well. And this is exactly what the New Testament and the Old Testament reveals to us. The ultimate tragedy of sin is that it keeps us from heaven and condemns us to hell. These are serious matters. You cannot afford to take them lightly or brush them aside. You don't know when your last day will be. The Proverbs tells us, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you know not what a day may bring forth. But we do know the day of judgment is hastening on, that it's closer now than it's ever been. And we need to be fleeing the wrath to come. There's a place we can go. There's a salvation to be had. God is making it available. God wants to deliver you from the wrath to come. But it's got to start with recognizing that I'm a transgressor, that I've been living at odds with God, that God, I've been, I've been an idolater, and God's not been first in my life, and I've lived an immoral life, and I've committed transgressions, and I've broken his commandments over and over and over again. And only then, when we're willing to humble ourselves and realize the serious nature of our place before God, 
Can we begin to grope in the darkness and begin to look and and seek and cry out for deliverance and salvation? Our sin problem has got to be addressed. And it's not a problem that you or I can address for ourselves. Someone has to step in and deal with this problem for us. Someone has to step in and remedy our dilemma. Someone has to step in and grant deliverance and salvation. And these three videos, I trust that you will not just dismiss them, that you won't just um, write them off as as the rant of some some Baptist preacher, but that you'll soberly consider what the Scripture says. Look on this website, and there's even more Scripture there, and see what the Word of God says. Open your own Bible and see what the Word of God says. We want you to know that you're not going to go to hell. We want you to know that things are right between you and God. And so please, please stay with us. And we're going to turn a corner a little bit in the next video. And and in the next three videos, we're going to be examining what has been done to address this problem of sin. I'm glad to be able to report that as serious as it is and as lonely a place as it is, that something's been done to take care of this problem. There, there's been deliverance put in place, and we're going to spend some time examining that and calling upon you and beseeching you to seriously consider repenting of your sin and putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and having your heart and life changed by the Spirit that will come and dwell in you. And so until next time, please consider these things soberly. May God open your heart and give you the wisdom to understand the application of these things to your own life. This podcast was presented by Pastor James McIntyre, edited by Caleb McIntyre, and formatted for podcast by Jonathan McIntyre. A Reasonable Faith is an independent production of Faith Baptist Church in Freeport, Texas. For more information, visit www.areasonablefaith.org.